Amen. I want to jump right into the Word this morning. Um, those of you, if you're visiting with us today, we've been going through um, the book of Ephesians. And I had a goal today, but it's okay. <laughs> We're looking in Ephesians chapter 5. To me, this is a um, somewhat of a difficult scripture to preach in some ways because, one, because all of Ephesians, help me understand that the Word of God is a two-edged sword. And that sword sometimes has to surgically remove things in our life. And those things are sometimes tough for us to grasp hold of. Sometimes it's difficult for us to um, be convicted. We live in a world that wants to pamper us. We live in a world that, that uh, wants us to be enraged every time we're offended. And so as the church, as the body of Christ, when we, when we go through Scripture, sometimes that Scripture can offend us because it offends the, the humanity and the carnality that may or may not be living out loud. But if we will humble ourselves to the Word of God and allow the Word of God to do its work in us, this is what the Lord says, that He would, that he would present us to the Father as holy and righteous. But that means we have to surrender. We have to use a word that we don't like to hear, submit. And with that said, that is the scripture for today. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 tells us submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord. You know, we've been talking about the walk, and that walk began back in chapter 4, where we walk in unity. How many understand that God wants us to walk in unity? And we go from walking in unity to walking in love in Ephesians chapter 5. And from walking in love, we begin to walk in the light. And then we look down and find ourselves walking in wisdom, to walk circumspectly with wisdom. And it doesn't say this here, but I believe if we were to add another subheading over that, this would be walking in submission. And I believe the Lord wants us to walk in submission. Amen. <laughs> you know, I was looking at this and I was thinking if we were walking in light, we would walk as Ephesians, Isaiah, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 60 says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon us. Come on. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. Can you say his glory? His glory. Verse 3, the Gentiles shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your rising. 
Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. Your daughters shall be nursed at your side. Then you shall see and become radiant, and your heart shall swell with joy. When we walk as light, how many understand that we are the bearers of the glory of God? And, and, and we have to be careful. Kim did a fabulous job this morning in our, in our early morning Sunday school class talking about humility. And she was using uh, the book by um, Andrew Murray, which is a, a, an older author who, if you look at his original works, were probably written in Old English. But this particular book has been translated into our modern English. And, and to realize that humility is necessary for us to walk in the glory of God. If you go back even to Ephesians chapter 4, where it, says, uh, where it says to walk worthy of the calling of God, we recognize that it goes on and says, with all lowliness and gentleness. To even walk this walk out, we have to walk in humility. Now, uh, I, I look at the scripture and I believe that Jesus Christ gave us the greatest, greatest example. Because when you, when you walk in humility, Jesus said that I have come to do the will of my Father. Jesus himself, the King of glory, the King of kings, left the throne room of heaven willing to humble himself. The Word of God says humble himself to come to this earth to walk on this earth like you and I. In other words, Jesus was in every way likewise tempted. He faced everything that we face, yet without sin. I believe a lot of times we look at, at humility in the sense that we, we, we look at our sins and we Base because of we're unworthy because of our sin, that that is what creates humility. But in reality, Jesus never sinned, but he was humble. Amen? And so our humility is literally an emptying out of self and a filling of him. So Jesus was willing to empty himself out Another uh, theolo a theological statement was that he voluntarily relinquished the divine attributes to be able to come and walk as a human being like we are so that he could experience and be a sympathetic Savior understanding the walk that we walk. Jesus, when we look at his submission, I mean, he says, everything that I do, I've done for the Father. I just, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I mean, the, I think the greatest view of this was when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And in the garden, uh, as, he was, as he was there sweating blood drops because of what he was about to bear, he, he said, Father, let this cup pass from me. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. When you think of submission, God has a mission for us, doesn't he? And, and we are, the word sub, under that mission, under the mission of God, under the plan of God. So we see Christ's humility in his, in his walking this out. I mean, he even told us that the greatest among you will be your servant. The greatest among you. We, we have that kind of in reverse these days in society and we think the greatest among us is the one that shows the greatest potential to be the leader that shines the brightest. But yet the greatest among you will be your servant. Humility, humility is us 
voluntarily surrendering ourselves to the Lord and allowing Him to completely fill us. So many times we find ourselves kicking against the plan of God because we're so full of ourselves. How can we be full of God if we're so full of ourselves? You know, when I look at the Scripture, I'm reminded, but just a few, few verses back, when we talk about walking in light, we talk about walking... It literally tells us in verse 19, it says, Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to one another, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if you look at the idea of submission, it doesn't start with verse 21, it literally begins back at verse 18 because we're to walk in submission to the most intimate parts of our life. Number one, we are to walk in submission to the body of Christ. When I think about that and the fruits of the Spirit, I'm reminded back in uh, Galatians chapter 6 where it talks about the, or sorry, ver, chapter 5 where it talks about the fruits of the Spirit. And it, right after the fruits of the Spirit it says, And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And it goes on because I, you know, how many know that the verses and chapters were added later, right? So this letter continues on. It says, brethren, if, if any man is overcome or overtaken or has fallen in any trespasses, you who are spiritual, restore such a, such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourselves, lest you also be tempted." Verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Ooh, that'll preach, bro. So to, in reality, when we grasp a hold of the scripture and we're walking in submission, we understand, first of all, that we are walking out in humility. We are emptying ourselves of selfish conceit, selfish desires, selfish plans. We're not considering ourselves, but we're considering others above ourselves. We are loving one another, encouraging one another, building each other up. This, this is how that submission looks like. Now, I understand that what this word literally means, it, it is a hupotasso is the Greek word, and it's, it's to be under or in or by, and the last part is appointment or order. So what, what the Lord is saying is that we are to be in his order, in his plan in his in his anointed plan now some of how many of you guys have served in the military Jay good to see you buddy snuck in on us you know if you if you've ever been in the military you understand there's a chain of command and therefore there's you know, there's the generals and somebody want to give me all that order? Colonels, captains, lieutenants. Then we go to sergeants. Sergeants. 
And then the privates. Close enough? I mean, you guys have only been there. Y'all should tell me how this goes. <laughs> now, does that mean that a private is any less capable or any less knowledgeable to be able to be a general? Absolutely not. As someone starting out as a private, you might have great potential. You might have great uh, abilities. And, and one day you might move up in rank over time as you serve in that position and serve well. And, and so therefore there is a, a, a rank and file and order. How many understand that there's also a rank in the heavenlies? God has placed an order. As a matter of fact, the Word of God tells us to do all things in order, right? Now... I believe that when we grasp a hold of that, when we are under appointment, this word is not saying that you just walk around being submissive to everyone. In other words, as if there is not an order, but it's saying walk in God's specific order. Walk in God's specific plan. How does that look? Well, if, if, if you don't have an order, you have chaos. If you don't have a plan of who's in charge. How many have ever had, uh, listen, now this is, I have done a lot of weddings in my life. And I have eventually had to take over as the wedding coordinator because, you, you know what I'm talking about, because mother-in-law comes in, mother comes in, they have two different opinions of how things should go. And they've got everybody, you know, waiting for hours, starving to death at the, uh, you know, pre-wedding event rehearsal. And, and, and so, you know, finally I just say, I, I pull the bride apart. Come here, come here, come here, come here. Let's talk about this thing. Who's in charge? <laughs> and then I say, what do you want this wedding to look like? I don't care what he wants. Because this is your day. What do you want this wedding to look like? She says, can you sit them down and do this? <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> and, and so, um, you know, somebody has to take charge. Because if you don't have someone walking in charge of something, it becomes a two-headed monster. And, and, and two-headed monsters cause problems. They'll cause chaos and cause stress and make everybody unhappy. And so, therefore, God has put together an order for the body of Christ. And, 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 and he's calling us to walk in submission to the order of the body of Christ. Now, really, if we want to see the glory of God, we've got to walk in the order of God. I, I've said this before because there's a lot of folks who want to be in charge, but they're not willing to be under charge. They want to walk in authority, but they're not willing to be under authority. And if you're not willing to be under authority, you can't be in authority because ultimately God puts a chain. Well, God told me. Well, listen, if God told you, then God's going to put you under authority. And if you're not willing to listen to the appointed authority that God's laid out before us, then how are you willing to be able to follow God himself? Because God lays out a plan, and a structure for the body of Christ. 
we basically talked about that just a few weeks ago when in this in Ephesians chapter 4, and he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, pastors, and teachers. There's an order that God lays out, and then he lays out that we are to be in God's order. So we see this word that gives the idea of rank, gives the idea of arranging troops and divisions in military fashion, and, and, but yet there's also a non-military use, and that non-military use is the voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying out a burden. How many know, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ? Why ain't y'all shouting this morning? It's a good message. Y'all should be shouting. Come on, right? You know what I find is that now, and I will be honest, because as a younger gentleman, I struggled with those in authority. I remember my first youth pastorate, and, and the pastor was a, a super gentleman, um, had pastored that church at that time for about 12 years, and uh, the church had grown from 13 to running about 75, and I mean, just a gentleman of a man. But here I was, this young whippersnapper, kind of like now, and and I had all this energy. And, and, and he would, and I would go and say, hey, pastor, hey, can, can we do this? And can we do that? And wah, wah, wah. He's like, slow down, son. Let's pray about it. Y'all know in Christianese, let's pray about it means no. <laughs> I know that he wasn't meaning no, but he said, let's pray about it. And man, that just drove me crazy. Because I was ready to just run. I, I remember, and, and, and this is hindsight's wisdom speaking. I was going to take all the young people down to the inner city of Atlanta. And we was going to do inner city ministry. With all these bunch of rednecks from middle Tennessee. Wisdom said, they ain't ready. <laughs> and so I, I get that understanding that. There was a struggle. But then I started, as the older I got, and the understanding and the value and appreciation of leadership over me, I grasped a hold that it took the weight of the responsibility off me. Because then I said, well, the pastor said no. <laughs> so good, so good. Right? At your workplace, you have a job. Your boss tells you what to do. And if, whether it be if you're a, you know, on the phone with people and you're having to tell people how to operate and do things, you can say, well, I'm sorry, but this is what the boss says. Isn't that great? We had to, uh, me and Kim... Uh, I had to stand at the gate to take up money for tickets at the soccer game the other day. And I hate that. I want to let everybody in. Come on in. Let's go. Just wear your jersey and yell for my boys. You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, you, you see people like, like trying to avoid you. <laughs> they don't want to give in. You know, they don't want to pay. I'm like, That's good. I get it. Because, you know, I would, if you would let me pass, I'd probably go too. But anyway, the idea is I could say, you know what? This ain't my rule. 
This is the rule that's been set for us. Because there's an order. There's a responsibility. Is that okay? You guys good? And so that order begins to me. I mean, I know that this verse starts in verse 21, and that order begins with the body of Christ because the body of Christ, there has to be an order. But So it starts with the most intimate relationships. The most intimate relationship that we have is the body of Christ. Let me tell you something. You can paint yourself and you're real, but there's something that's even more real because it's eternal. And that is the body of Christ, the, the, being a part of him, the head, Jesus Christ, and being his body. So we, that is the most intimate relationship. We should not try to run away from the body of Christ and the relationships we have. We should do everything we can to be a part of that kingdom purpose and kingdom plan. So it begins with the body of Christ, but then uh, it goes on into human relationships. The next relationship that is the most intimate relationship we have is husband and wife. The one following that is our children. And the one following that is, unfortunately, we got to work. It is our employer-employee relationship, right? And so we see these relationships unfolding and planning and, and planning out. So, I'll tell you, I'm having to walk. <laughs> but when I think about these relationships and the intimacy of these relationships, I realize that, that Jesus Christ is the head of these relationships. And I realize that in this chain of command, I mean, uh, Brother Terry shared with me a scripture right before service and not realizing that we were. Uh, that I was going to be using that scripture. And, and I want you guys to pray for Terry. We're, we're going to have a prayer right after service for Terry. He goes into surgery this week, and we're believing for a miracle to take place in your life, brother. Amen. But he shared the scripture in Matthew chapter 8, where it is the, it is the centurion servant. And, and when, now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I... I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant will be healed. Verse 9 says, For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and another one, come, and he comes, and, and to, the, to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and he said to those who followed him, I surely I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Because he understood authority. He understood what it meant to be in line and in tune with God's plan and, 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 and how that operated. Submission Probably we easier understood in this way, Romans chapter 12, 3 and 4. For I say, therefore, there, there I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as many have, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. 
God's created us with different abilities and different functions. Does that mean that one's better than another one? Absolutely not. But has God appointed certain things in certain seasons? Absolutely. And we follow that. We follow that plan. I mean, for me, when I think of this husband and wife uh, thing where it says, Wives, submit to your own husband as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is also the head of the church. If y'all want to know why I'm not coming down, because uh, in, in the last couple of weeks I have torn the pages of my 40-year-old Bible. I'm afraid I'm going to lose the pages if I, if I walk around with it. But I've got all my notes written on the sides of the pages. So a lot of them want to focus on this idea of the submission of the wife, but really in, in essence it is a it is a submission one to another, understanding the authority. And just as, just as the centurion servant understood the authority of Jesus Christ, he said, you know what? I respect that authority and therefore, you know, just say the word. That is the same essence that we have in our relationship with our wife. Amen? Now, too many times in history, this scripture has been taken in, in such a way that it has demoralized or put in place a subject of wife as if she is less of a priority or less able or less capable. And, and, and therefore, there has been theories of what that looks like and, and has been acted out. But in reality, we are subject one to another. And it really says... In the fear of the Lord. So if we are understanding our relationship to one another in the body of Christ, in our home, we are walking this out not as unto man according to the scripture, but as unto the Lord, that we walk this out in a relationship as unto the Lord. You know, the way I have interpreted this scripture over my life is that, yes, I am the one that will stand before the Lord and I will be the one that is judged by the, by the fact of what my family has done and what I have done for my family. It will not be my wife who stands before the Lord representing me. It will be me standing before the Lord. Now, with that said, I am super thankful for a wife who, who honors me and loves me and has given me that authority in our home. But there's something I have found is that she is the neck that turns the head. And that if I, if I am to be as says as Christ is the head of the church, and He gave Himself for the church. Now, when when this says give Himself for the church, I know what Christ did for the church. And if you remember what Christ did for the church, He suffered, and He died for the church. He was crucified so that He could bring salvation to the church. He was sacrificial in his giving so that the church could be presented as the spotless bride before the Father. Amen? And so if I realize that, then I'm going to do my best to make sure that this wonderful woman is taken care of. That she knows that she's loved. And I'm going to listen to what her needs are because if I'm not meeting her needs, what I'm saying is I don't value you enough. But if I Look at her and say, honey, 
if this is not something you want to do, can we talk about it and let's discuss this plan? Now look, out of the many decisions in 27 years of marriage that I have made, I will say that the two <laughs> that I have made without her consent has not ended well. Because we are meant to be one flesh and the two shall become one. I've got to, I've got to close. We'll, get, we'll, we'll jump back in. But I've got to close because I've got a baptism and we've got to eat. You know, there's different ideas of what that looks like. And if somebody will come and play, because I, I, I do want to make sure we get to our baptism. I'm excited about that. You know, some people say, well, the two shall become one. And, and I've heard people say, well, the longer they're together, the more they start looking alike. I'm not sure if that's good for her. You know what I'm saying? Bald, pudgy. I mean, that's, I don't want to wish that on her. You know what I'm saying? But, but what I do believe that something that is stated is that when the two become one, think about this. Think about when a child is born, it takes DNA from half its DNA from one parent and half his DNA from the other. And the two become one. That's interesting, isn't it? It's just a theory. Y'all can take it as you want. But not only when we see this order that God's laid out, I'm going to do my best that she is, that she is cared for, that she's taken care of. But in that process, she's also going to make sure that I am honored in that role and position as God's laid it out. Think about, think about this, guys. I, I, I know they're getting ready for that. Y'all look right here. Shoop, right here. Yeah. <laughs> think about this. What is it that the world is trying to confuse today? It is the order that God's laid out. We're going to get into, more than likely after Easter, we're going to get into chapter 6 and talk about the warfare that we're going to get into. But if the enemy can disrupt the order of the family, if he can get into the church and disrupt the order of the church, if he can get into the family and disrupt the order of the family, if he can mess up the genders and identity roles of who we are then he corrupts the plan of God the order of God and he causes the chaos why do you think our world's in chaos because the order has been challenged the order within our school systems and in our governmental systems and even in our military systems the order is being disrupted and therefore as the order is disrupted listen it goes from the body of Christ, to the family. I mean, I was reading an article yesterday that out of a thousand single young adults, only 32% are getting married now. Why? Because they have found that social media, they have found that pornography, they have found that dating apps 
make it so easy to find something. If it don't work, you can just jump to the next thing. Disrupting order. Disrupting God's plan. Man, young people, get off your phone and talk to somebody. Right? Look to somebody face to face and say, what's up, bro? I don't need a handshake on Facebook to be your friend. I need to be your friend. And I, I know I just picked on the young people, but look, there are more middle-aged adults finding relationships through apps these days than ever before. Look, we have to start understanding that God created us for relationships. And it doesn't, so church, husband and wife, and then children. It blows my mind how many children are ruling the homes these days. The world's taken our ability to bring discipline in a home and, and, and create it. Well, they're, they're just my best friend. What? Yes, have a relationship with your kid. Have a friendship with your kid. But don't lose the responsibility of being the parent who influences your children in the right way. Your children don't need to make a decision when they're 5, 6, 10, 12 if they're identity or their gender identities this or that they need to know from their parent from the time they were born you're a boy or you're a girl and you need to love them and affirm them in that relationship as they're raised up i read a we read a little book called becoming baby wise because wesley was um, uh, having colic or something that kid was ruling the house. And so we read this book to how to schedule your baby. I'm like, where was that at? The first baby. And, and I appreciated the value. Did it, did it work 100%? No, but it gave us an opportunity to understand that the child is not the one who rules the home. The parents are the one who sets the schedule. And so therefore, parents, who's setting the schedule in your home? Who's leading who? Because it says, children, obey your parents for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. It is the only, it is the only commandment with promise that your days may be long upon the earth. Some of you will say, well, yeah, I'm going to take them out. <laughs> But every structure, there's an order. And we do it not because we feel subjected or we feel pressure. We do it because we want to honor God's plan. And when we honor God's plan, we are more prepared for warfare. We're more prepared for the enemy's battle. We understand generals and colonels and commanders and all that stuff. Believe me, I wanted to go in, try multiple times, it didn't work. It wouldn't take me, but I pray that we understand that there is an order in the kingdom of God. And if we want the Spirit of God to flow and fill, we've got to get in order with God's plan. We have to begin to respect the, uh, the authority levels that God has put out. 
so that we can walk in those. Does that mean that, that we can't question authority at times? Have you read the book of Psalms? Have you seen David and how he wrote, God, what are you doing? I don't understand. I'm not saying you, you don't question or you don't talk to and try to find out what's going on. I'm not saying that because, once again, we always have in our mind that leaders lord it over them. No, 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 no. My goal, even as the pastor of this church, is to do my best to serve you, to make sure that your needs are taken care of. No, I can't, you know, we got like 300 and something people on the roll. I can't be everywhere all the time. So thank God for great staff members. Thank God for other leaders who have stepped up for great care teams and so on and so forth. Thank God. But our total goal, if you sit in one of our staff meetings, our number one goal is to be spirit-led first. But then the care of the people within our congregation. How can we best care for the people that God is sending to our church? How can we love them to the greatest ability? How can we prepare them for the work that God's laid before them? What can we do? Second, how can we, how can we reach a world and show the love of Jesus to those who are in our radius that, that we care for them just as much as we care for those inside? That's our plan. But we have to follow an ordained order that God's laid out. Submit, you, submit yourself, therefore, one to another. Let's follow God's charge. Let's follow God's plan. And if any point, any point that we see a brother who's struggling, in the Spirit of the Lord, in love, compassion, go to them. Understanding that we all can fall, pick them up walk them this, through this journey to get them back in the position that God wants them to be in. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you, Jesus, for this word today. I thank you that we can continue to search out your truth. Lord, I pray that we will never fail to represent you according to your perfect plan. God, forgive us when we have gotten out of order or if we are out of order. Forgive us for thinking of ourselves more highly than we should. But Lord, I pray that today that we will humble ourselves before you, that we will empty ourselves out and allow you the room and capacity to fill the emptiness so that we can truly be spirit-filled and spirit-led. Father, it's not mine to keep there's nothing in me that's worth keeping. But Lord, if you see value in anything that you want me to keep, it is up to you. But everything else, I lay at your feet today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If you'll give me, are you guys ready? If you'll give me a couple of minutes, they're going to play and sing a, a, a few songs and and I get the pleasure of baptizing some wonderful young ladies.
know that we announced and if there's anyone else today that would like to be baptized we don't we have some extra towels um, we would not want you to miss out on this opportunity but uh, what a great joy Isaac called me a few days ago I guess it's been a few weeks ago and um, they were home sick but watching the service and these beautiful young ladies said, we want to know Jesus as our Savior. So him and Miss Sydney uh, led them, there you are, <laughs> led them uh, to the Lord at home and began talking to them about what that means and what's the next step. And so they said, we want to be baptized. And, you know, many of you don't know their story. You don't know what they live through and in but for them to say we want Jesus is an amazing step and so I'm excited today to be able to take this step with them somebody asked me one time do you is it okay to baptize a child I said if the child understands that Jesus is Lord and Savior then I would never keep them from that amen said, do you mind if I join in with you? I said, absolutely. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Amen. Well, your profession of faith today on your profession of faith that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.
What better day to celebrate, right? Come on, come on. Anyone else? Well, I'm going to I'm going to pray over the meal, and I hope that everyone is. Is there someone coming? Come on. Come on. Amen. Hey, I, I, I do this all day. <laughs> I'm going to pray over our food. And I know that um, they have the entrance to go in. You'll see the tables lined up. And if you'll go get your plate, walk around, and then come out the other side of the commons. Those of you who are new, follow the traffic. And um, Kathy, we're so thankful for you. And we pray that this today is a day that you just feel honored and appreciated. Um, I told her 
not on the mic, but that I know that there's many times that, that I'm sure she has felt underappreciated. But I tell you what, we are so thankful and blessed. And I'm thankful that she's continuing to be a part of the SWAT and all that, the, all that they do. And I'm just looking forward to what God's going to continue to do in, in, in your life, Miss Kathy. Father, I just thank you, Jesus, for your grace, for your mercy. Thank you, God, for this amazing day that we get to celebrate you. And I pray, Lord, as, as we have heard and studied this morning, God, that we will walk in your truth, that we'll walk aligned with your plan. And, Lord, that as we walk aligned with you, that the glory of God will be revealed in each one of us, in our homes, in our, chur- in our church, in our schools, in our neighborhood. Let the glory of God, let revival shine through and let the light of God shine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.